to Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James and how apt on the night that Love Island finishes in the UK. We'll be discussing that club has had its very recent run-in with the Villa. On the podcast tonight, three guys who are definitely my type on paper. Muggy Monk, Farrell Monk. <laughs> uh, a man who's always doing bits, Drew Healy. Hello there. And who needs Caroline Flack when you've got Senior Secretary Jack? That's terrible. Hello, listeners. Sorry. Very good. Very good. Well done. Is it good or is it terrible? You're giving me mixed signals here. I mean, it's a bit like Love Island, both, really. Isn't oh, it? I guess. You're perfectly apt then, isn't it? Yeah, we it? are. Well, so much to come up in tonight's episode. Reaction to the signings of Andre Scherler, Fabry, and the coming home of Alexander Mitrovic. We'll also uh, be touching on a couple of the pre-season friendlies, which have been mixed for Fulham so far. A bit like my opening monologue. Uh, but we've got to do the transfers, first of all. And the breaking news today... Alexandra Mitrovic re-signed for a reported £22 million from fellow Premier League side Newcastle United. Was there any doubt in your mind, Drew, this would happen? No, no doubt. But as the time wore on, you were just getting a little bit... Uh, you're just wondering, you know, how are we going to haggle over this over this price? But uh, delighted to see him back. And given the number nine, it's a bit sad for, for Rui. <laughs> no, Rui uh, switched before this. Oh, did he? He took 17 back. It was his number at Braga. Oh, fantastic. Okay, good, because I was thinking it was some sort of unceremonious sort of stripping of, of the number. Uh, absolutely delighted. And I think, uh, to be honest, I think the price, there's been a lot spoken about it, but I, I think it's I think it's fair and I think it's 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 valuable to us. It's, it's what Mitrovic is worth to us as a club, and I think that uh, that price reflects it. Well, he signed for Newcastle back in 2015 for just under... 15 million so they've made kind of seven eight million pounds profit and given the inflation in the transfer market actually Farrell that's happened since 2015 I think 22 million pounds for a 23 year old striker who has proven himself certainly for Fulham and also has done small bits at this level as well at the Premier League I actually think is a great deal. Good asking the finance guy about inflations, uh, which I'm not going to do the calculation now. But Go uh, on, try nah, Absolutely not. I think it is good value, considering he has scored something like 85 goals in 200-odd league appearances in his career to date. For a 23-year-old, that's pretty. That's a pretty special return already. So I think we've got definitely a good value here, and obviously he's going to appreciate in value as he, goes, as he goes through his career. And yeah, for Newcastle's sake... They've got an extra £70 million and he, he hasn't even played a huge amount of times for them. Well, not even like a consistent starter. He played, what, one season in the Premier League and then uh, one in the Championship. Barely then, played for them in the Championship. Yeah, though, exactly. Gale was, was the starter at the time. Um, but yeah, and he, t- he certainly fits in with the club. He fits in with the values. He clearly loves the club and the fans. So um, really looking forward to him putting on the number nine this season. Someone's been doing their research for the first show back, haven't they? Looking up some stats pre-show. I'm back. I've been doing well in pre-season, you know. I want to really up yeah. my game and get, get, uh, win back my starting place. <laughs> I think there's something to be said for the fact that this is one of those deals that everyone seems happy with. You know, Newcastle fans obviously liked Mitrovic. They liked what he brought to the club, but they're also smart enough to realise that he wasn't playing under Benitez and it didn't look like that was going to change anytime soon. And that kind of unwavering faith in Benitez that they have it is, you know, it's, it's nice in a way, but it also means that when he makes decisions like this, there isn't too much kind of backlash or uproar about the fact that Mitrovic has been moved on. Fulham are obviously delighted to get him back. Newcastle have got a good amount of money and, and it seems like everyone's a winner here. 
12 goals in 17 games on loan for us last season, Drew. Can he replicate that success, though, in the Premier League? Is what we're going to be asking of many of our squad because there is no guaranteed proof that even our best players, you know, Sessegnon, Kearney, are going to actually cut the mustard at the top flight. But for Mitrovic, he did so well last season in the second tier. Can he push on and become the Premier League striker, the main man at a Premier League club that I think he dreams about being? I think he absolutely can achieve that uh, at the club. I, somebody was saying earlier, oh, the game's gone this much for, for Mitrovic. It, it, it's as if they don't realise that, you know, different players work in different systems and can play in different ways for, for different managers. And, and he's found, the. it's like he said in his, uh, in his interview on, uh, on the website, he doesn't have to... He doesn't have to settle in. He can just hit the ground running. He fits exactly the way that Slav wants to play. Um, and he's proven that he can do that. Yes, it's a step up in quality. But, um, you know, it's kind of like he's had a false start in Newcastle, particularly in the Prem where he never got a fair crack at the whip at all. Uh, and I think now he's going he's gonna to prove that he actually is worth the money. And if, you know, Jack says it's a, it's a deal that everybody's happy with, if it goes up to 27 million because of performance-related add-ons, then obviously we're going to be even more delighted because he's going to be hitting the targets that we expected of him and, and we'll give that to Newcastle quite happily. And he said, I'm happy to the moon and back. He is happy, though, at Motspur Park, as, as weird as that phrase is to hear out of someone like Mitrovic's mouth. <laughs> quite tender uh, for it. someone like Mitrovic. However, it's clear that he's happy playing under Slavisa and generally with strikers confidence and and happiness and morale is so important absolutely and um, speaking as a striker yourself yes absolutely banging them left right and center <laughs> for Mitrovic I feel like it's not just his goal scoring prowess he does bring a lot more to the team just I mean it's a bonus obviously it brings a lot to the team as well as goals um, I also think that he fits into the system he's an incredibly hard worker as we've heard um, you know in the pre-season talking when we talked to Lucas Piazon that a lot of the training, a lot of the setup is about winning the ball back and then attacking quick and attacking strong. And that's what Mitrovic is all about. He, When we don't have the ball, he works hard. When we do have the ball, he works hard as well. He gets into the right positions. He he now knows the players that are going to provide for him. Um, there's obviously one or two additions, um, one, or, one or two more additions that we have now in Seri and, and Charlotte he's got to get used to. But he knows 95% of the squad and the backroom staff He's going to hit the ground running. Yeah, I think you you know you look at it and you know that the positives are already there in terms of he understands that he knows exactly what you know Slavisa is going to demand of him. For me, I'd really like to see him, or have seen him, I suppose, with, with a full preseason under his belt with the, with the kind of Fulham coaching staff. And you saw his fitness improve through throughout last season and how he went from being a sixty minute player to you know maybe a seventy minute player. And I, I'd like to see him back as as that ninety minute player. Yes, he's obviously not going to be you know, the most mobile player ever because that's the way he's built and the way he plays. But at the same time, you know, we're going to need someone who's going to hassle and harry for 90 minutes in the Premier League. There's no, there's no like 20 minutes at the end where you can you leave off and, you know, even at 3-0 up in the Premier League with 20 minutes to go, you're not secure. So it, it, it does kind of look, and it, it feels for me that we need to really sort of mould him into the player that he needs to be in this Levisa system. And I'm excited to see what the, you know, the technical behind the staff can do with him not signing him in the middle of a season, you know, really getting him back now and getting him in shape for the for the beginning of the season and really starting to, you know, push on in that regard. Do you think that there's an element because the season is just under two weeks away and, and there was clearly a conflict over price between Fulham and Newcastle and then quite obvious Newcastle just were holding out to get as much as they could and Fulham Which is reasonable. Do you think there was a case though where Fulham were thinking 
okay, we actually just really want him for pre-season. So they were willing to say to Newcastle, okay, here's the money. We've we've done enough brinkmanship now. We just want him. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for it because, you know, the original reports were Fulham wanted to pay 16 million and Newcastle wanted 18 million and now we've played 22, mm. rising yeah. to 27. So, yeah, you, you imagine that there is some sort of like, you know, last minute decision in, in that kind of factored in because... There are, like you say, two weeks to the start of the season and we have to sort of really get that, you know, the foundations bedded in and make sure that we know where we're gonna where we're gonna be at the start of the season. So yeah, of course. Well it's it's just negotiation positions all over the planet. No you know, no one in business or in the football world is ever gonna reveal what they're gonna what their lower limit, their upper limit is. You know, I think there's some hearsay going along in the media and some of it might actually be true. Maybe at the start of the transfer window or the start uh, start of pre season. Newcastle might have wanted 18 million, but you're quite right in saying that as we're getting closer and closer to to the April... What's the... Not April, sorry. August the 8th. August, August the 8th. 9th. Is it the 9th? It's Thursday, isn't it? Whatever the Thursday is before the season. It's the Thursday at 5pm. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's the 9th. Yeah, August the 9th, yeah. So when they're going to get close to the August the 9th, the values are going to go up. And, you know, as we... As I saw over the summer at the Fulham Supporters Trust meeting, um, that... When Alistair McIntosh was talking about the Sonia Luco deal, Reading were like, we want £1 million for him. And he, they were like, well, no. And they just kept on holding out and holding out and holding out. And eventually they accepted £8 million, which they never thought they would get because Reading was so desperate to get him. And it worked out best for both parties, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, it worked out great for Reading. And that's another thing as well. Like Newcastle knew he was our number one target, right? Uh, there's been a lot of reports about different players that we were going to sign this w- this window, and actually a lot of them have been quite accurate from the from the start of the rumoured interest to when they signed on the dotted line. How many other alternative striking options have we been looking at apart from Mitrovic? I've not seen too many reports substantiated. Woodrow's back from loan. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's given up his 14 shirt. Well, he? exactly. I think he was unceremoniously stripped. Yeah, I, I probably think that you're, you're probably right on that one. The... You know, the thing with that, I suppose, is also is that you're working with Mike Ashley, which is basically like selling your soul to the devil, right? Quite. As in, you can't, you can't assume what he's going to do next because the man is out for one person and one person alone, and that's himself. So if he thinks that the most he's going to get is 18 million, he probably would have sold. But as soon as he knows that you're in for this player and, and you want them at all costs, he's going to milk you because he's going to put that money in his pocket. And, and then suddenly, you know, Newcastle are going to be devoid of striking options for the new season and, and it's going to be all that again. And you do have to feel a little bit for Newcastle fans because they've currently got their, their club in the hands of a, a really quite horrible man. Yeah. Who would ever work for a horrible man? Not me, I tell you that much. Uh, sorry. <laughs> right, I mean, it's the level of regard that we hold Mitrovic in that someone like Andre Schürrler is second in the billing in this transfer reaction. I mean, what a signing. kind of came a little bit out of nowhere. It was pretty much start of last week. I hadn't even heard any kind of inkling that we might be going in for someone of the calibre of Andre Schürrler. German World Cup winning forward on a two-year loan from Borussia Dortmund. Obviously, I think... Fulham fans will know him best for playing for Chelsea between 2013 and 2015. Won a Premier League winner's medal in 2015. 57 caps for Germany and, of course, uh, instrumental in Germany's success uh, to win the World Cup in 2014. This isn't just a World Cup winner that was part of the 23-man squad and didn't make the pitch. This was a well, the man that got assisted the winning goal, the most famous goal in, in German football. And here he is, turned up at Motspur Park. Um, can he refine the spark? I think he fits into the system massively. He's that type of player 
who's quick. He's um, he's intelligent. He's um, he's got great passing ability. I think he fits Ryan's system and exactly what well what we need, what what we want basically. We would have been top of top of most Premier League clubs list. I'm surprised Fulham had the audacity to go for him, but and he wanted to come. And not only that, I mean, one of the most ridiculous things about it when I when I saw that. Um, like people started following him on Twitter. I checked out his profile. He's got 1.9 million Twitter followers. I reckon that's how many more do you think? He's got 3.2 million on Instagram. I thought I might have been the only person that has noticed this, but he's got to be the most famous player in that kind of regard that we've ever had playing for the club. You've got about that many, Sam. I do, and I get a lot. I get a lot of interest, obviously, on Instagram. A bit like Andre Scherler. He's living with a mutual friend of ours, isn't he? he is. We're not living We're not in the same flat. In the in the in the block yeah, of flats. He's flat sharing. He doesn't have enough to to afford a house yeah. for himself in London. Um, but I mean, incredible, and it's really made the rest of the footballing world really take notice. I think Seri kind of sparked the rest of the football world into life of thinking, okay, Fulham means some business. I don't think anyone's shying away now that Fulham are not just here to make up the numbers. I think Seri was the, yeah, as you say, the sort of the spark where, uh, you know, more, maybe more sort of knowledgeable fans knew a bit more about him than other people and rated him highly. Uh, and this is the one that brings it to the masses where, you know, everybody knows who Andre Schurler is who watches the Premier League in the last five years. So it really is the one that you talk about the Twitter followers and Instagram followers. It brings it to a mainstream audience and make no doubt. There's no doubt about it. It's an absolute coup for us, uh, and it's sort of it's making the it's got the makings of a really exciting sort of forward three, uh, providing we can get a left back to make sure that we don't see any more returning to fullback for Cess. But uh, it, it, it and he looks he's so happy to be there. You can see it from his his Insta stories, and this is something that we're seeing with Mitrovic as well. Players are here. And they want to be here, which is a massive plus. It's nice. We've got the SMS in action now. We can actually fully put that one into gear. Oh, nice. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. SMS yeah. sent. Yeah, exactly. SMS, done the business. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's really exciting. Obviously, the the facts are that Andre Scherler has actually struggled a bit since that World Cup. Obviously, he won the he won the Premier League with Chelsea the year after. But people forget that he left Chelsea in, the, in January that year yeah. for Wolfsburg. And he obviously... You know, had played enough appearances to get that champion, uh, get that Premier League winners medal. How many do you need these days? Ten, ten, fifteen? I'm, I'm not really sure. Yeah. There are also special dispensations if you've yeah. made a made mm. a contribution, isn't there? So if you put on the right sock for Chelsea that season, you probably got a. a yeah, Lucas Piazza probably qualified. Hey, yeah. leave Lucas out of this <laughs> lovely man. But it's it's one of those things where you know he actually has had a bit of a tough time. He went back to Wolfsburg first, and then he did quite well at Wolfsburg, and Borussia Dortmund picked him up. Uh, and obviously that was, you know, quite a big thing. And, and obviously Dortmund were in their kind of pomp at that point, and and they really looked to kick on. And he he kind of struggled. If we're if we're being honest with ourselves, he really did struggle to get first team appearances. You know, especially from the start, he was more effective off the bench. But even then, he was being played kind of in this weird wide role where he kept trying to sort of swing the ball in, and it, it didn't really work because that wasn't the kind of style that Dortmund tried to play and you know don't you know don't get me wrong he's obviously a talented player in it but he's had a rough time over there and there is something to be said that you kind of is going to have to do some work in order to actually coax the best out of him it's a two-year loan deal which is obviously quite good for everyone because if it doesn't work out we haven't forked out massive amounts for someone like Schurler and, and he's also quite injury prone that you know that no one seems to be talking about this, but he he really has had some horrible injuries over the last two years, uh, and it's one of those things where 
the loan makes so much sense for Fulham because if two years go by and he absolutely smashes it, then we'll get you know we'll be in for him. And if he loves it here, then he can join for basically for free. You know, if he doesn't, then and he smashes it anyway and he wants to move on, then he's going to earn himself a move. So he has a kind of you know a motive to work hard no matter what he feels about things. And also we haven't you know paid loads for someone who might be injured for two years. So I think that it's a good deal for everyone. Basically, Dortmund. You know, are, are kind of resigned to losing him by all accounts, by the fact that they're probably not going to give him a new contract, and it will run down over those two years. But at the end of the day, we've got ourselves a player with immense talent, and who I'm extremely excited about seeing. I just think that you know we're we're kind of a lot of people looking off the back of that kind of World Cup win and the Premier League winners medal without looking at the last couple of years in his his career, perhaps to to suggest that he needs to actually play himself back into form. But like Farrell said, this system should suit him. Uh, and I think that that is something where he will enjoy, you know, being a part of. Uh, and in that kind of regard, this should be somewhere where he feels like he can remake his name. We've had a few players like that, though, in the, in the past couple of seasons, when you look at somebody like Mitrovic, someone that was struggling for form, we got him back into form. Stefan Johansson, to a lesser extent, struggled yeah. his second season at Celtic, came to Fulham and found form. And you look even further back, maybe someone even like Danny Murphy, yeah, who yeah. was yeah. really out of form, yeah. who hadn't played well for years and came back and played some of his best ever football for Fulham. So... Stranger things have happened than someone like Scherler to have a couple of years in the wilderness and come back and really find that spark again. Will he be assisting World Cup final goals again? Probably not. But could he replicate some of the form that he showed for Chelsea? I reckon so. And if he does, then we're, then we're in serious business. Also, something that hasn't really been you know talked about too much either is that Fulham are a similar kind of level, I suppose, to like Mines, who were his first club where he came through. And it was, this will be the first seasons he's been playing without trying to get European football. And that takes a little bit of the pressure off. And, you know, obviously we'd all love a European run, wouldn't we? But, but this is not, you know, first priority this season. And he has the freedom Speak then. Speak for yourself. Yeah, OK, all right. Apologies. If you're, if you're targeting sick, then I apologise for my kind of sad negativity on this matter. But it's the first time he's not going to have that pressure on his shoulders where every game doesn't, you know, necessarily need to be a win. You know, in the, way, in the same way that it is for Dortmund. You know, Dortmund expect to win every game and and apart from you know apart from his time at mines he's always been at teams that have expected to be challenging and for the first time he can maybe take a just you know a breath and be like okay i'm free to play my game here they want me for who i am they were the first club that expressed interest i like their style and i think that's a positive because we can kind of take that pressure off and be like go and play your football enjoy yourself express yourself and if you make a mistake no one's going to kill you for it And congrats to everyone who uh, played the pun game before his signing. I think Sherla Knott uh, was probably the winner. Yeah, I think so. It was probably better than the, better than the actual one. <laughs> um, Drew, Fabry, again, he's moved to the bottom of the list. This is a hell of a signing to be at the bottom of the list of my transfers to discuss. For... Fabulous. Oh, God, yeah, no, that's spoken about fabulous, the better. Edit that one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Worked with Fulham goalkeeping coach uh, Jose Carrera at Deportivo, signed for around uh, £5 million. I guess the key discussion here, do we expect to see him in between the sticks against Palace? I feel like he will start. You're not going to sign a goalkeeper with Champions League experience and have him play, put on the bench to uh, you know a kid who's basically come up through the academy as much as I love bets and, and would actually be happy for him to start. Um, I did want to see him get a chance, but I think you've got to have rule with your head here over the heart. And I think Fabri is an upgrade. And if you think about the fact we bought him for around about 5 million, moved Button on for 4 million, 
I mean, that's just robbery. And you see today, uh, the uh, some some chap at the top of the uh, Besiktas saying, you know, we had to sell him because uh, he was going to go for nothing next summer. We had to get rid of him. So it's a massive boon for us to be able to get him for essentially a million pounds. And to see, you know, to have that sort of calibre in between the sticks to start the season is is great. A good goalkeeper can cost it can give you uh, ten extra points a season. So, you know, if he can get us uh, between five and ten, but through his performances, then we're we're you know we're quids in. You know what's quite nice is uh, discussing transfer targets that we actually know a lot about. And me and Sammy and Drew would be just sitting here listening to Ben and Jack talk about some player from Belgium second division. <laughs> Now we can actually talk about Fabrice Scherler and uh, Seri. We can all instead. get involved. <laughs> <laughs> and Mitrovic, who we know plenty Mitch, about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it is a bit easier to research this than Dennis Adoy or Niskins Cabano was yeah. back in the day. But they yeah. turned out well. Yeah, I can join in. This is great. <laughs> Do you feel for bets? Uh, yes, but it's just it's football, I'm afraid. Oh, he's a cold man. Yeah, I'm pragmatic. I'm I pragmatic. don't think you feel for him. I don't think that's the kind of point. I, th- I think the point is that you think he can sit here and learn from a player who's mm. who's played in the Champions League. He's still young. He's still developing his trade. You know, he, he and he's every time he's been put down, you know, to someone else. And look, there's a point being made. Nick McNeil raised this on Twitter that Slav obviously doesn't 100% trust him, despite you know all the kind of good things that's happened. There, there's something there that Slav doesn't like. That's why Button went back into goal for the start of last season. All of these things. And, you know, we've now signed someone else. Bet's come through all that adversary and really started to, you know, mm. develop as a player. And he's improved every time. And if he does the same again and he learns and he listens and he seems to, you know, have that kind of mentality, there's no reason why he can't, you know, look yeah. forward as this, as, a, as not a, a block, but a challenge and something that he needs to rise to the occasion to overcome. And it will drive him forward as a goalkeeper and as a player. And I think that that's probably a good thing. Well, look, there's some impressive stats here. He won the Turkish Super League in 2017. Last season conceded just 30 goals in 34 appearances. Now, I wouldn't mind some similar statistics this season. Uh, not, not quite expecting uh, that level of... Uh, clean sheets and uh, saves but still very very impressive um, they finished fourth last season Besiktas as well so to concede that many fewer goals when your team didn't win the league is is even more impressive in my book uh, he's made 11 Champions League appearances his final one is probably not one that he looks back with too much fondness what was the score against Bayern in the end was it 8? horrible 8-0 yeah. yeah yeah that was uh, probably not although from from memory I don't think it was really Fabry's fault that they, they lost by such a wide margin. No, they had to come out and attack. They lost away. No, they lost at home lost in the first home. leg, 3-1 potentially, or or maybe more. And then they had to come out and attack at the Bay Arena, and, and, and that doesn't often go well for teams. No, not indeed. Uh, well, so some more transfers still hopefully to be sorted out between now and next Thursday. Uh, we will have a special podcast kind of looking ahead to Palace and looking back at the transfer deadline day uh, next Friday as uh, no doubt Fulham will probably uh, see some late action in the transfer market if recent windows are anything to go by. And the one area of the pitch that I still think is looking short is defence. We've signed Le Marchand but not really made any other uh, additions to the defence. It looks like Matt Target might be likely to rejoin, according to uh, Dean Jones, bring the gang officially uh, back together. They just need to get Lucas back in, and then it is just complete. The gang is back and, together. And Tommy Nor- K. Norwood. Oh, I know, but the gang, the gang that we really, really want. We need a penalty taker for next year. 
Oh yeah, get Ollie on. We've got a German in the squad now. We do have a German. We almost certainly could take penalties. I'm a little bit worried though that we haven't strength for the defence yet. I imagine though, you know, there's still time left to to fix that. It's it's that niggly thing in the back of your mind where I'm I'm, um, every time we announce a new player and I'm like, oh, you know, Mitrovic, fantastic, Sherlock, fantastic. This is really really great, and you just think we're still light and we're particularly light at the back. And if we if you know Mawson comes in, which is widely expected to to happen in the next uh, day or two, then that's another centre back which is. Uh, you know, dearly needed. Um, but we're looking at that left, that left uh, back position, and we need to fill that. And that's uh, that's a big red flag at the moment. And yeah, Dean today saying that we're looking to go back in for target. Uh, I don't know how sort of advanced that's going to be. It sounds like it's still at the formative stages, so there's not long to get uh, into gear on that position, which is a real crucial position for us because not only are we light with that, but if we don't have that uh, starting left back, then you know what's going to happen to Cess and it's going to affect us going forward as well. Couldn't Lamarchon probably fill in a left back mm. though? Yeah, absolutely could do, but are you, is he going to start left back You know, as his main position? Because he did it for a season, did he not? And he's a centre back by trade, right? He did it for half a season and Nice from December kind of through to the end of the season. You know, if you've seen him in any of the preseason games, he doesn't look massively comfortable mm. at left back. He, yeah. You know, he, he very much can do a job, and he, he's obviously a quality player. But it's when he's moved to centre back that he's looked so much more assured. I'm convinced that Fulham will bring in another uh, a player to play at left back. Mm. And even if we didn't, and and this is a questionable decision, but even if we didn't, I think we'll bring in another centre back, and that would free Dennis Adoy up to, mm. to play there if, if we needed to. I still think we could do with improving that position, even in that situation. But Dennis Adoy playing there for six months wouldn't be the worst answer yeah. in the world. I just feel like that this, en- this seamless, endless pot of money will probably run out in the next few days anyway, especially if, well, if we think that Mawson's going to come in. Um, you know, we obviously don't have the best players in the world to play left back at the moment, but we have enough cover there with Adoy and Le Marchand. So... And you know, and if push comes to Cess can play there as well. As much as we don't want him to play left back, yeah. he can play there, and we know how good he is. Okay, straw poll. Let's say we get Target and Mawson over the line. Is that enough for the window? Would you be happy with that squad going into next season, Drew? Thin, but we could manage. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be happy. I, ideally, I'd like another centre defensive midfielder. But apart from that, I'd be reasonably happy. Yeah, it seems very positive at the moment at the club. And, you know, we're getting tweets from a few other clubs saying, I wish our owner, I wish our chairman was doing stuff like this. And it's it's a positive time. And I don't think anyone can say that there's been a lack of ambition shown in this window. No, I don't think so at all. And know. when's the last time you could say that, apart from maybe January? I, I think as well, um, with uh, if Mawson comes in, I think that takes us to what, like 70-odd million which i think puts us in the top six spenders in the premier league that's top to... three right now is it bloody hell see there you Oof. go do we expect anyone to go have that mark use do we expect anyone <laughs> to go no, no i don't really i mean you, you kind of feel for someone like floyd aite potentially you know you think that he hasn't really featured too heavily in pre-season we've seen bits and bobs of him but you know it's actually been niskin's cabano that's been in there yeah. leading the line and, and 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 filling in that gap when it's needed to be uh, I could see someone like a Floyd leaving, although I think it might be in January. Mm-hmm. But no, I think we might see Jallo, Woodrow go out on loans. I imagine you know we we might see some youth players go out again. But but ultimately, no, I, I don't expect them. Man, with the amount of thin kind of ice we've got 
in terms of our first team squad. I, I can't see us losing many. And what's quite interesting is that we probably haven't touched on upon is the fringe players from last season have featured quite heavily in pre-season so far, maybe because of the World Cup factor. Players like Cabano didn't, weren't there. Players like Abubakar Kamara weren't there. Maybe that we'll... was a, that was a shock. <laughs> but um, maybe we'll see them, you know, feature more heavily this year. It is a squad game, and perhaps we're not going to rush into some transfers that we would have done at the same stage last year and the year before. Think about all those other players that we had in the fringes at the beginning of last season that would play for a few games and would just just didn't cut the mustard in terms of what Slavisa was thinking. We're not wasting any energy now on these players. We talked about it a tad last last time we did a podcast, which was two weeks ago now, I think. Um, but Ibrahim Assise has featured a little bit mm. in pre-season. Mm. And I think there's something to be said for the fact that maybe it's got to the point where Slavisa was like, I need you to bed in and understand what's going on before you actually feature. I wouldn't be, you know, I don't think it's necessarily going to happen, but I also wouldn't be absolutely shocked if we saw a little bit more of Ibrahim Assise this year. So maybe that covers your desire for a... No, I mean, on, on top of that, CDM. I think we need another CDM. I, I think you need two quality players in every position to, to compete in the Premier League. Uh, and I don't think we've got that at CDM. And, and what much as I'd like Cissé to, to really kick on and actually become worth him. And, and there was a lot of talk, remember, when we signed him that we were actually going to do some, some good business. But, it, it, you know, I, I would like to have another cover in there just in case. Uh, I think that's probably, at this level, you haven't really got too much room to manoeuvre. Mm. Well, loads of transfer reaction and there is more uh, on the Fulhamish website if you go to fulhamish.co.uk. Loads of good articles. There's kind of Cam who looks at all of the transfer rumours and rounds them up into a nice article. Uh, Craven Corner is back with Adbron Smith and he's been looking at our successful summer. That was written before Mitrovic, although he uh, very heavily hinted that Mitrovic would be signing. And I believe there's a stats factory uh, from George Singer looking at Andre Scherler, which should be up by the time that you listen to this podcast. It, it will be. Uh, so yeah, make sure that Fulhamish is the place to go for all your transfer reaction. And of course, uh, we like to break all the reliable transfer news on our Twitter. We don't like to just post fake news, clickbait. We like to kind of filter through, uh, hear from a particular source yeah, or reliable two. Reliable sources. Mm. Yeah, uh, and bring you some breaking transfer news. And generally, we've been pretty much on the money. So kudos to us. Uh, after this, let's have a look at some of Fulham's recent friendlies. Hello, I'm Lucas Piazon, and when I'm not winding up Reading fans, I'm listening to Fulhamish Podcast. Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. Drew Heatley's here. Hello. Farrell Monk's here. Hello. And Jack Collins is here as well. Hello, listeners. That is our latest ident from uh, Lucas Piazon on the jingles, winding up the Reading fans as per usual. Man like Lucas. Yeah. Uh, just but to, not forgotten. Just to say that we've uh, still got some more Fulhamish posters up for sale. Make sure you uh, go buy yours. You can go to fulhamish.co.uk forward slash shop. That's a, that's a classic, in fairness. We've got that. Also, there's another thing to do, which is go and join our fantasy league. Oh, we have well a fantasy done. league. If you go on our Twitter or any other thing, then you can you can join it by just sort of clicking the link. But if you want the code read out to you, oh, I here can we also go. Do that. <laughs> what on demand? So if you go to yeah, if you on demand, this is FPL, right? Isn't yeah. It? If you go to fantasy.premierleague.com, create a team, all that kind of jazz, uh, then you can do that. But the code for our league is one one four two nine six two two five nine four three eight. Were you gonna, I thought <laughs> you were going to gonna sing that a bit yeah. like 0800 or something like that. 114-296-259-438. 
There's a lot of people in it already, though, isn't it? Yeah, we've, we've got over 400 in the Fulhamish no Fantasy League. No way. Who, yeah, we're 400 won, plus. Who won last year? I don't know. Um, we're we're, we're going to make, sure, make a big deal this year. Yeah, we're actually going to follow it this season. We're going to give updates. We're going to do articles. We're going to make... But I think... Monthly prize of a mug. Is that a promise? Who's the mug? I don't know about the mug, but it's a monthly prize. Okay, there's a monthly prize. Yeah. I hope it's going to be a mug. I think this is news to Sammy. <laughs> yeah, this, ha- this hasn't been cleared with chief accountant of the podcast, but okay, I'll well, make Farrell it happen. Monk. <laughs> I'll, I'll no, make... I wasn't even asked. <laughs> Bloody hell. I'll make it happen. Well, okay. no, we'll, do, we'll do a monthly prize. The mug was a, maybe a little bit, you know. No, no, no we can so, do a mug. We can do a yeah, mug. We can do, we'll yeah. do something anyway. Monthly prize for, for whoever's winning the league at the time. And can I Bas- just say as well, can you people make an effort with their team names? Because there's been some real uh, awful if, ones. Honestly, we've got 15 Are You Serious is already. Yeah, I can't have uh, that. If you join the league now and you call your team Are You Serious, you can leave. I'm going to change mine. Account. I'm going to change mine right now. <laughs> um, free mug going out to anyone that calls their team. Jack Collins isn't Irish. No, oh. Isn't serious. Oh. There's no mugs for that. All the other mugs saying that. All right. Uh, yeah, join the FPL team and uh, yeah, get your posters now. And uh, the pod is fully back. Can I just say that now? We I know we kind of were like, oh, yeah, we're back, and then we took a two-week break. No, we're back now. Uh, we're going to have another pod next Monday, uh, and then we'll have one after the transfer deadline, and then there's going to be, after that... Two uh, a week. Two a week, and it's... Uh, Fulhamish Normal on the Monday and then Fulhamish Extra on the Thursday. And next week we've got some big things to tell you uh, about what's going on uh, with Fulhamish this season outside of the pod. There are some... I was going to say, you lucky, lucky people. There are some some big plans uh, and I think you'll be excited to hear them. But that'll be next week. Okay, let's cross over to our man Don Betts who's been hanging out in Doisburg, drinking all your Carlsberg... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Did you not research how to say Duisburg beforehand? I've never, I've never known, I've I have actually it. no idea, but it's I just Deutschburg. found it funny. Deutschburg. Deutsch- yeah. What? <laughs> okay. I might have been wrong on the first thing, but he was definitely drinking all your Carlsberg. Dom, how's it going, mate? Not bad, mate, not bad. Just on my way back from the airport after a quality weekend in Germany in Dusseldorf and Deutschburg. Got a cup of traditions. Great weekend. <laughs> yeah, what's the cup of traditions like? weird because it's like I didn't really know what formats of the game were apart from they're 45 minutes long because the first game was sort of this memorial match to I think one of the players who played there for like 10-15 years so we watched that and I didn't really have a clue what was going on there like their mascots and like massive flags waving everywhere but um, then after that the sort of semi-finals kicked off uh, you had Florentina against uh, Doisburg then obviously following against Bilbao and then third place playoff and final but yeah really good day and I wouldn't mind going back there for that tournament. It was quality. What was the actual trophy like? I mean, I'm really interested into what you know what Fiorentina got to lift in the end of the day. Was it you know a star-studded goblet? Well, it's just some sort of guy crawling out of a football, <laughs> um, which so, is available to buy, I believe, for like 1895. <laughs> <laughs> really, really random story. Um, I stumbled um, uh, into a pub once, and it turned out the Fulham first team were having their end-of-season party there. And they had like a players of the players player of the year trophy. It was awarded to Sacharita that season, and it was that trophy that they'd already bought online. So um, maybe they recycled it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, did you see much of the football, Dom? I remember bits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did we play against Bilbao? No, we, we were the team in white. <laughs> yeah. No, we started the game quite poorly, but. Um, we, we sort of we sort of grew into the game, and then once we sort of got the equaliser, it didn't really like anyway. Uh, it was going to go any other direction, really. I think Kamara really stood out in that game. Although the stadium announcer 
at Duisburg gave Kabano the first goal. Uh, I don't know how he did that. I mean, it was just obviously Cabano. But Kamara uh, made up for it by pinging in a poly strike from 20, 25 yards five minutes later. How was the intensity of the performance? Because to, to go 1 0 down and then to, to come back and spank it 3 1 in just 45 minutes, it must have been quite uh, you know quite the comeback. It was. It was it was one of the one of down. I was like, okay, Bilbao, quite a good side. We'll probably lose this 2 3 0 after going to France last weekend or last week and seeing seed 7 without scoring one. <coughs> so, but then, but then I think once we grew into the game, once we scored, we were fine after that and it didn't really go the other way. Cabano and Kamara were linking up really, really well and. Sherry was just controlling the game in the midfield, really. And I thought a German in the team, Tom, would mean we win a penalty shootout. Yeah, it just sort of... When it came to the penalty shootout, I was like, is someone actually going to miss? I mean, Fabry did dive the wrong way every single time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, all the penalties were just, were just good penalties, really. And, yeah, the goalkeepers just weren't very good, basically. I think that's what the, that's what the penalty shootout came down to. I wanted to ask you Chris, quickly about Fabry actually because I heard I heard the criticism about him and the penalties. What was he like for the rest of the game? Was uh, the oh, two yeah, games? His distribution, distribution of the ball was great. Uh, he definitely suits the system he played. I think, yeah, penalties are penalties. If you, if you think about over a season, you're only going to be facing five penalties probably max. So I don't think it's really anything to look into. I think he looks very, very solid apart, apart from the penalty shootout. So I don't think it's anything to worry about really. It's just full of fans looking into pre-season when it's unnecessary to. I mean, it's a 45-minute game to cry out loud. Like, it's not, but he looked very, very comfortable on the ball. He was playing the ball out of that very, very well. So I think it's a very, very shrewd signing for only five or six million pounds. Dude, did anyone else stand out, Dom? Was it you know? Was there anyone that really you know took the limelight as such? I know you mentioned Kamara earlier, and it's good to hear that Fabry's distribution was good. But was was anyone else you know a, a real shining light in the mix of it? Uh, was, uh, the main place in Afghanistan so was Christie, to be honest. I thought he was. I thought he, he like prime capital. <laughs> like he, he was. He was. He was probably our best player over the uh, over two games. I'd say. Um, Cabano played well, um, but I think everyone was sort of looking at Terry. But I think our best player was definitely Saris Crispy over the two games. I appreciate that because I know how much it, hurt, it must have hurt you to say it. <laughs> I mean, he, he is a, he's, a, he's a very good player after winning Young RF of the Year at twenty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Don. The question that everyone really wants to know: Where does uh, the Cup of Traditions rank in your all-time pre-season list? Uh, I'd say it's in the top five. Still not cork away. Well, no, I think it's definitely better than cork. All oh, right. But it's, not, Rude. it's got nothing on pos. It's got nothing on pos, man. <laughs> okay. Um, Evian. Is that because of the drunk tank? No, it was just a good weekend in general. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was to do with it. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think it was definitely better than Darmstadt last summer. Okay. Um, Doisburg's actually a really, really good ground. The away end was like brilliant. It's the best thing. Is is you obviously got the terrace, and then the bar isn't even in a concourse. It's just at the back of the away end. Oh, nice. And oh, it was only like it was only like three euro for a beer, so you know. Would recommend to a friend. I would definitely recommend to a friend. All right, Dom. Cheers for catching up with us, mate. No worries. See you later. All right. Thank you very much. Dom Betts, man on the scene, away day expert. Look out for his away day planners, uh, which should be coming very soon. He needs to get round to writing that August one, actually, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Although no one really needs instructions on how to get to Wembley, do they? Which is basically the only one. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe wait for a September one. That'll probably be the one to read. Okay, let's get into the post bag. Jack Collins, what's going on? I mean, it's actually like, we're going to need to buy you a bigger post bag. Yeah, no, it's very, very busy. (laughs) Very, very busy in the post bag. So apologies to everyone who's who's asked brilliant questions and we haven't got round to, but we'll get to as many as we can. 
And we'll we're gonna quick. start. We're gonna start with some quick ones. It's a quick fire one. Sam Sam Smith, not the Sam oh. Smith, other Sam Smith says, "Will we see Sess?" Yeah. Oh, good. Will we see Sess at left back at all this season? Especially if Maxine Le Marchand is our only option, and in my only, in my opinion, looks lost at left back. Uh, I haven't seen enough of Le Marchand in pre-season to know whether he looks lost at left back, but it's clear that it's not his preferred position. I think now that's maybe why Target is making more and more sense. Maybe they just haven't found the left-back option that they're looking for. Uh, Fullbacks are very, very important to this team, and Slav doesn't just trust anyone to play uh, fullback. And uh, our man from Portugal, what was his name? Suarez. Oh, Rafa Suarez. Found that out the hard way. So maybe they're just going, okay, better the devil you know. Matt Target maybe wasn't the level of fullback that we were looking to get, but as Drew alluded to earlier, freeze up Cess. And if Le Marchand isn't the answer at left back, which I haven't had enough of a look at Le Marchand to make a judgment on that myself, then that's why I think target makes full sense. My short answer would just be, if we don't get anyone in at left back, we will see Cess at left back, because I think Slav trusts him there, likes him there. No, doesn't like him there, but knows he can do a job there the way he wants, so we will, but hopefully we won't. Okay, this one's from Joe Payne. He says, are you concerned about spending with FFP? Do you think we could be making more of the free agents available considering how slim our squad is and the quality available? Badej, Mayer, Bernard, Jakob, Reyes, all out there on freeze. Um, do, do we think that that's a market we should have potentially tapped into more or are we concerned about the amount we're spending? It seems to be that the, over the past couple of years the the, the Fulham board and, and the manager have changed their tact in terms of who which types of player we go for and we just don't just sign anyone because they're available. That's changed heavily since last summer, especially. We only seem to sign players that we are going to fit into this squad. And when players just don't cut the mustard, they just depart and we never hear or see of them ever again. Um, in regards to FFP, I I don't even know whether that even matters now anymore. Though we, we seem to be planned for in the Premier League for a long time. I don't know if, what other guys know about it. People talk about it. Nobody... You ask anyone. People were talking about FFP. Tell me, tell me what, tell me what we would be doing to break FFP. Like people don't know. I think I don't think anyone knows. But there is, you know, there's obviously concern. You know, QPR actually got smacked with their fine eventually. Yeah, but they, but it was only much after, reduced. Yeah, much. It was only after they challenged it and they found like some EU. It doesn't actually fit in with EU law or something like that. Yeah, it's that won't matter for too much longer. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things. I think, yeah, you're right. None of us know exactly what's going on with FFP, but if we stay up, I think we're fine. Yeah, if we go down, then I think we're going to see our seller assets. Yeah, that, and that's the kind of risk we're taking now. Mm. But we're, we're you're, he's obviously trying to build something that's more than a team that are just trying to, com- you know, just trying to stay up. We're trying to compete. Yeah, uh, and if we can do that and stay up and, and make those things happen, then I think we're in a good place, Sammy. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I was a bit surprised with the QPR ruling, but from what I read, uh, the EFL basically were worried that if they gave QPR the full FFP fine, that it would send QPR out of business, which is kind of... A crying shame. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I did wonder that as well, but it's kind of what FFP was designed to try and avoid, quite. so it would have been quite ironic if they'd have been killed by the thing trying to protect them. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah I think probably. I'm not entirely sure I agree with FFP anyway. It's just I find it quite weird. Mm. I just don't think it's it's, it's implemented correctly. Paul, yeah, poorly thought out, poorly executed. It was I mean. more. Of, I think it's a political exercise more than anything. It just keeps the big clubs big, doesn't it? That's that's a point to it that I, I maintain that no one else can do a Man City again which maybe stops the market from going ludicrous but it's gone ludicrous anyway you yeah, might as TV well just, deals, TV have done that haven't they you so. might as well just fully embrace the fact that the football's mental and just let anyone compete yeah I mean theoretically yes although then we will just see countries buying football clubs eventually as they'll be the only ones that can actually well, afford to own them PSG are owned by Qatar yeah that's what they? I mean so <laughs> there we are okay let's, let's move it onwards before we would end up into a, the mire of FFP um, Alexander Haswell says will Johansson be playing an active role this season will we only be seeing him on the bench he's been such a key part of our championship team it'd be a shame not to see him earn some game time in the Premier League I think we'll see a lot of him I think you know in the Premier League now you're going to need to rotate your squad a lot more Obviously, there's fewer games, but it's just a different animal, isn't it? You can't go on 23 match unbeaten runs with the same team. You're going to be changing and chopping and changing for the different uh, different oppositions and the, the various different skill levels in the Premier League. So I think we'll see uh, a fair amount of, of him. I don't think he's going to play every game, obviously. And you know, I don't think you know Serie or anyone else is going to play every game. I think that there are going to be injuries this season, and we saw that Tom Kearney did not play anywhere near every game last season and you wouldn't put it past Kearney picking up another injury this year and you know if anyone really in that midfield gets injured then Stephanie Hansen as things stand is the next best player behind kind of McDonald, Seri and, and Kearney and there are some that would prefer Johansson over McDonald. I think they're uh, few and far between people that think that but we will see Johansson um, I, I would I would expect him to get Double figures of appearances, but not much more. Yeah. Certainly starts. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think that's probably about fair. Yeah, I would. I would say put him on the same level as kind of Norwood when he came in last year. We we all kind of thought at the time that he wouldn't be a starter, but we would see sort of a, quite a few appearances with it from him. And he did actually start a number of games when injuries came in, and he did a solid job. And I feel the same way about Steph Johansson this season. He's obviously got quality and he does fit into the team and Slavisa likes him, so we probably will see a lot of him this year at least. Right, next one from Matthew Morris. He says, how long will the team need to gel? A lot of new faces. I fear Slav will need a bit of time to get them all on the same page and with all of this spending, expectations are going to be high. It's going to be tricky and it's why I think that first game against Palace is quite key because if you don't win that one, realistically a trip to Spurs away is going to be very, very difficult. And then all of a sudden you're off to a bit of a bad start with a brand new team and things could go sour quite quickly. It's going to be hard for this team to completely bed in. But most players have had a good pre-season. We've got probably 75% of our transfers done. So you'd like to think everyone will be ready and raring to go for Palace at home next week. But yeah, of course it's going to take some time. This is uh, probably 40-50% a brand new team that's going to be playing next season, especially if you include someone like Mitrovic in that, who was in the team last season but is now a permanent. So it's going to take a little bit of time, but also there's lots of teams in the Premier League who are kind of going to have lots of brand new players. So I'm hoping it won't be too much of an impact. I think perspective is key at the moment. You know, we've made some really good signings. We've done some good business so far, but... You know, 17th uh, in your first season back in the Premier League is absolutely fine. We've got two winnable home games, which have been quite kind to us uh, on paper uh, at the beginning of the season. So, you know, we 
hopefully we can hit the ground running with the players that we've got but I think uh, at all times exercise a little bit of caution have a bit of perspective because I think uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a hard season is 17th an achievement well, staying up is yeah absolutely of course it is absolutely um, when you've spent that amount of money though everybody is now aren't they somebody's yeah. got to, somebody's got to go down no matter yeah. how, many, how much you spend. I think you spend... It also depends on how you get 17th. If you claw it on the last day of the season with, you know, a team that you've spent a lot of money on, then that's different to, uh, you know, if three teams are cut adrift in March and the rest of people are just sort of playing for, you know, yeah. whatever it is, then then I think, yeah, it, depend, it very much depends on how it's played out, I think. What I don't want to happen is the like we saw in last season for us to start slow and everyone to get on Slavisa's back. And... You know, and that causes this whole toxic mentality of of getting on the players back, getting on the managers back, and creates that pre- unnecessary pressure because Slavisa's got a huge track record now of starting slow and having an incredible just turning turnaround. And I think that's just down to the style of play that we have, this unique style of play that we have. That it does take a long, t- it does take a little bit of time to gel, but you know. The, we see the fruits of uh, of that work towards the end of the season, and I just don't want to end up having a knee jerk reaction when it comes to December. We're you know maybe hovering around the relegation zone or inside it, and then we go right. We need to sack the manager and bring someone else, and we need to change it. I think many of us will have learned from last season mm. uh, that you know necessarily that things don't always you know things do get better and and things work out. And I think that the knee jerk reactions we've seen in last season and and the questions that were asked last season were answered were answered fully and, and like I've always said compliments when compliments are due and criticism when criticism's mm-hmm. due it's different you know if Servisa's playing a strong team and and playing and, and they're playing you know hard and working hard and they're losing games I don't think people will get on their backs in the same way that they did this season or the season just gone where the team were you know weird there was players out of position we were you know we weren't looked, it looked like we weren't playing the best players in the best positions and that's a very different kind of outcome to, to what we saw towards the end of the season as such. But talking of that gelling, we've got a question in the mailbag from the States. This is from John Marmora. He says, hi, gents. Huge friend of the pod. Loves it here in the States. Does wonders for helping us stay connected to you guys across the pond. So thank you very much for listening, John. He says, while new high-profile signings are exciting and necessary, do you worry at all about losing the core of the group and the chemistry they've built together over the past two seasons? I think it's a brilliant question. That's, an in, that's a very interesting question. I think that Savis has done an amazing job at getting the, the squad gelling and sort of getting rid of some of the, the fringe players that might be disrupting things. Um, I don't know whether it's actually, maybe it is Slavisa, maybe it's down to the backroom staff or maybe particular individuals within the squad, but perhaps there are some big leaders in the squad, maybe like Kevin McDonald and, and Tom Kearney, who are excellent at gelling new players in and becoming friends with them and going for nights out with the lads. Well, he did really well at the back end of last season, I thought, Slav, to keep some of the fringe players very much on board with what he was trying to do. And we saw that with the likes of Rui Font when he celebrated like a madman after Mitrovic's goal against Sunderland. And you saw it in the celebrations post-Wembley and even speaking to Lucas. You know, he didn't get on the pitch uh, against Wembley and still felt so happy about that day. He said it was one of the best days of his life. And, you know, he understood why he couldn't come on. And he mostly said it was because Dennis Adoy got sent off. But... (laughs) I think Slav did really, really well to make squad players feel like they were part of the project. So I can see him doing that again this season with some of the, you know, there's going to be three or four players who were key to us last season who aren't going to be so key this season. 
And I'd like to hope that Slav can keep that core happy. But of course, there are going to be players that are disappointed. I still think Betts is probably one of the main ones um, because in, in goalkeeping terms, if you don't have your place, you very much don't have your place. It's not like you sometimes swap and change your goalkeepers. I know some clubs do, but most don't. So I do feel a little bit sorry for Betts and hopefully his morale can stay up. But if there's anyone that can do that, surely it's Slav. No, absolutely. And I think as well, in, in, in many companies, you know, a lot, certainly a lot I've worked for in the past, when you're recruiting new people, one of the things you're asking is, you know, what's your personality like? What are you like away from away from work? You know, are you going to be able to mesh with the other guys? So, you know, not naive enough to think that that's going to be, the, you know, a prerequisite when, when you know, Khan's trying to sign up somebody like Shell, for example. You know, if he can kick a ball, he can kick a ball. But, you know, it'd be nice to think that maybe that factors in some way. So I've got four quick-fire questions for you all to end it. And lots of people have asked these questions. I'm not going to give them all names because we've had we had numerous answers, but I want basically one-word answers for these. Uh, the first one is we've been with, linked with three left-backs, Target, Tagliafico and Tierney, or the three Ts, as I've taken to calling them. Which one would you rather have in your team, Sammy? Tierney. Drew? Tierney. Tierney. Oh, okay. Shock. Tinny's all round. Kieran, hey. Kieran Tierney's all round for everyone. I, I don't think it's likely, but I think I think it would be the one that we'd pick. It looks if, very unlikely, doesn't it? It does look very unlikely. I don't think he's going to be leaving. Next one, best signing thus far. Sammy? Oh, I can't decide between Scherler and Seri. I think it's got to be Seri, one of the most desired midfielders in Europe. Scherler is impressive, don't get me wrong, and he's got serious, serious pedigree, but some huge clubs were after Seri, and I don't think that was so much the case with Scherler. True. Keeping it to one one answer, one word, Seri, but also Mitro is pretty tasty for me. Farrell? I'd go Seri as well. Jack? Yeah, for me, it's getting Corley Woodrow back on loan uh, from his loan. Like, obviously, he's developed loads. And, uh, Woodrow's, been, Woodrow's been mentioned twice this podcast now. <laughs> he's basically the cult hero of the entire pod. Yeah, I, I think the answer is Seri. Um, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of excitement about Andre Scherler, but, but Seri for me is, is the key factor here. So this one actually is, a, is from someone in particular. It's from Fahad Althani. He says he's a Fulham fan from Qatar. He says... His question is, will Fulham get a bigger overseas following now that we're in the Premier League? I think it's fairly simple. Yes, we will get some following. It happened last time in the Premier League. A lot of people that listen to this podcast uh, are overseas, in America especially, and are listening because of the time uh, when Fulham were in the Premier League and we were you know, broadcast globally to pretty much every nation on earth barring North Korea. So, yeah, I think it's undoubtable that Fulham will get an increase. OK, obviously, there's there's something to that question that's obviously, you know, yes, you'll be broadcast to more people. Is there an area where you think that Fulham have a particular, like, spot to grow in or so, you know, or, or somewhere where we might... Do you remember when we signed Junichi Inamoto and we random had a Japanese fan base for a bit? Or mm. when we had, you know... Ashkan Dejaga and we, we gained a little bit of a cult following in Raf- Iran is Rafi Kalish is there a next it, where's the next kind of cult following going to come I feel like you're more the man to know that given the job you work in well yeah <laughs> yeah okay fine but like I meant more in terms of you know is there a player in your in, in the squad that you feel like might you know ignite that kind of you know passion in, in a fan base somewhere as I would say we're, we're going to the podcast is going to get uh, <laughs> followers now in different countries perhaps well we've got Qatar yeah, well, unless, I would say out, if, shout outside for Had because that's a cool. Uh, we've, yeah, I don't think yeah. we have any other listeners. I'm sure. Well, 
if you if you're another listener in Qatar, get involved. But for Had, we think you're the only one. So Is Serbia know. one though? Now we fully sign Mitrovic. Like there seems like a bit of an untapped in that kind of Eastern European block that maybe Fulham will look to tap into if Mitrovic pretty much been the hero in those parts. Yeah, and I think, you know, we were rumoured, we were linked with Herrera and I think if we got him, the Mexicans would love a bit of Fulham action. They were very passionate over there. I think that could be another sort of Inamoto-esque explosion. I think we, well, if we go for the Americans, it was kind of a, it was like a group of Americans all at one stage, well, started with Eddie Lewis that, and Marcus Hanneman that, that came in. Maybe we need more than one Serbian to, to come in. Maybe. Well, we're linked today with Adam Lalic, so that was a new one. That would be nice. be a good one. That would be three in the mix. Full America. Dropping a clang, but I was uh, speaking to Felix White, full Ooh. fan and from the Maccabees uh, last week, and I just pick it up and drop that on the floor. <laughs> he was a pen pal with Eddie Lewis when he was a kid. He messaged Eddie Lewis and then um, exchanged several letters no uh, with Eddie when, uh, when Felix was, was growing up, which I thought was a, a lovely little fact. That's Wonderful. sick. Yeah, I know. He set up Brian McBride's goal in the 2002 World Cup, I believe. Did, yeah. It was a little Fulham collection for you. Yeah, there you are. Fulham America. And also oh, was kicking. the other wing to David Beckham, because David Beckham was on the right wing for LA Galaxy yes. and it was Eddie Lewis on the left. Yeah. Good Val, good Val. Well done, Eddie Lewis. All the Eddie Eddie Lewis. All the Eddie Lewis facts. What's your final one? Rate this transfer window out of 10 thus far, assuming we bring Mawson in tomorrow. I mean, can it get any better? I'd say a nine, maybe, because we could have signed Messi, maybe, and that was the only flaw in this whole thing. As we said before, we could do with a left back. (laughs) (laughs) You can imagine Messi doing runs past Ryan Sessegnon. Messi is a as a you know an inverted wing back. <laughs> Love it. I've, I've got to I've got to give it a nine. True. Uh, a left back is worth two for me, so it's an eight. Harold, eight and a half. Yeah, I was going to say an eight. I think we've we've done well, but we need more bodies. Mm. I think we're we're still short. I still think we're short four. But if that means bringing in one or two players that maybe you know are, are not going to be the sort of marquee level signings we've seen so far, some yeah, good yeah. solid squad players, that's next, I think. And maybe they won't come into as much fanfare, but if we can get some more in through the door between now and the ninth, then happy days. If you can trade one of the transfers in and bring in someone of the equivalent sort of level of player for another position, so like you can't just say, well, I'm going to take out Le Marchand and bring in, well, Messi, for example... So, like, you say you take out, like, Mitrovic, but then you've got to bring in, like, maybe a left-back of equivalent quality, for example. Who would, you know, who would you do that trade-off for? It's a bit of a weird question. Mm. You've blown my mind a little bit. I'd take Le Marchand out and bring in maybe a CDM. We, we were linked with Josua. I, I'm going to oh. get this wrong. Josua Guilavogui today. He used to play for Wolfsburg, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, he played against us yeah. in Europa League. He, um, he's a bit of a, you know, t- talking to people about about him earlier, he's apparently a bit of a red card liability, but he does win the ball a lot. He's a very much a, a, a solid defence midfielder. So I, I think that would probably be a fair swap. Mm. Um, and and there, there was talk. It, it's kind of quietened down a little bit. I've been, I've been keeping an eye on it, and there hasn't been too much on it today. But it, it did, it did at one point look like we've we've made contact. So that's good. Excellent stuff. Well, I think that's all for the question bag. Unless you've got anything more, Jack? No, that was, I think that's probably enough. Uh, we, sorry, we didn't get around to everyone's, but you know, there was it was so full as you, as you might have, might have heard. So 
It is, uh, it's, it's gone off. I don't know if everyone's just been storing their question over the summer, probably. ready to fire it well, off. Please keep them coming in. We'll do we'll do as many more as we can next episode, and and we'll keep them coming throughout throughout the season. Well, we've got two podcasts next week, so hopefully that'll be a chance to kind of get through the backlog of questions. Yeah, uh, I echo Jack's apologies as well. So that is the end of the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. Fulhamish is back, fully back, and we'll be returning next Monday. Uh, we'll be looking back at the Celta Vigo game, which is at the Cottage. We'll also be looking at the Sampdoria game, which I believe is Wednesday night at Old Shots Ground, quite randomly. Um, so there's two more friendlies coming up. Uh, and also, of course, there might be a transfer or two between now and next week. Could be Mawsome. Mawsome. <laughs> Absolutely. That Lovely. was mawful. Oh, very, very good. Uh, they didn't do it. They didn't do a pun today. On I think that's the death of the puns now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was that the, the he's coming to here to stay is, is the death of the pun, I think. Do you think that was either they ran out of puns, couldn't um, brainstorm one, or they just thought for a change of tack? I think they wanted to go big for Mitrovic. It was he was number one, wasn't he? So I think they just wanted to throw it all out the window and have that lovely little graphic with the with the nine. Also, it allows them to not do the next one. Yeah, like as in it, it can cut it cuts the pun game short, right? Yeah, I think it sometimes gets a bit wearing, doesn't it? If you start something and really go for it, and then you know you have to start doing terrible, terrible puns. But also, then you have to start trying to beat the fan base because everyone mm. is throwing them all over the gap. Right? Yeah, 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 especially you... if there's time. You know, if you think mm. this transfer is coming, give them all that all people time to think. But I suppose if there's no good pun, don't do one. Don't do one just for the sake of doing it. You tell them, Farrell. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely don't do that for the beginning of the Fulhamish shows anyway <laughs> I always come up with some puns okay well thank you so much for listening today Fulhamish will return next week to Drew Heatley on his first pod back of the season thank you very much thank you fellow debutant Farrell Monk thank you very much thank you all debutant for the season not ever true you are literally the original OG the Lund- Lund- no, you're the original London's well, original London's original <laughs> Fulhamish's original uh, and Jack Collins thank you very much thank you Sammy uh, thank you to Dom on the phone as well uh, cheers Dom uh, we'll see you soon Love take Dom. care bye bye doodles Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts Here's a show we recommend. Hey, it's Maria Hinojosa here. And Julio Ricardo Varela. We are the co-hosts of the Roundtable podcast, In the Thick, where we talk about politics, race, and culture from a people of color perspective. That's right. Every Tuesday and Friday, we bring you the latest political news, covering the stories and issues that matter to communities of color with amazing POC journalists, activists, and academics from all over the country. So you're not going to want to miss our coverage because we have a lot of fun. We do. Which means that on election night, November 3rd, we are going to be hosting a live virtual show to give you the much-needed POC perspective on this crucial night in our country. Follow us on social media at In The Thick Show to make sure you don't miss the updates and this live analysis. Subscribe to In The Thick wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, A-cast. 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 recommends. <laughs>